everybody and welcome to another episode of live from the blue seats now you may be saying to yourself huh that's an unfamiliar voice opening the podcast it is i producer jl hosting the show for you here today rob and becky needed a very well-deserved day off today so me and dave will be taking over the duties for this podcast dave our wonderful and glorious leader how the heck are you my friend it's a little bit weird that you referred to me as the wonderful and glorious leader. <laughs> it makes it sound like I'm about to take us to war, but I am great. Uh, I am looking forward to, well, I shouldn't say I am looking forward to. My wife is most certainly looking forward to me going to bed long before these games this week actually end. So I'll maybe get the first period in for the 10 o'clock game. So she's happy, which means I'm happy. <laughs> well, a happy wife is a happy life i would imagine i'm going right? to i'm going to put a caveat there that she is amazing she lets me watch games we put she's the one that said get the bigger tv put it over the stairs it's perfect mm-hmm. there so she's the one that said to get it she's the one that says no i'm gonna go watch tv in the kitchen you watch the rangers on the big on the big screen so i also do know that when the rangers don't play she's a happy to watch her stuff on the big screen so i'm happy that she's able to do that and i am old i go to bed at like <laughs> 10 15 nowadays <laughs> guys this is what happens when you are pushing 40 and you have one and a half kids you go to bed early well easy there grandpa don't cramp our style uh, okay? oh go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> well, <sighs> well, outside of outside of Gramps getting ready to take his Metamucil, he alluded to the fact that this week there are a bunch of, you know, games that are going on after the usual 7 p.m. So the night that we are recording this, which is February 15th, the Rangers will go to Vancouver and take down the Canucks at the Rogers uh, Center. Is it Rogers Center or Rogers Arena? I think it's Rogers Arena. I honestly have no idea, but I do <laughs> well, happen to enjoy these 9 and 10 o'clock starts as opposed to the 8 o'clock starts. Nine and ten, I have a reason to go to bed. Eight o'clock, I'm like, it's the third period. I may as well stay awake. Right, and I the eight know, o'clock I'm, games suck. Yeah, they do, especially when you go to them in person, because then you kind of get out. Especially if, like, if you're in Middle New York, you kind of get out the train station. You know, kind of like a little bit later than you expected, and then you have to sit on the train on a you know a little bit later, and it's just really annoying. But when it comes to West Coast teams and all that, ten o'clock starts. I'm a night owl. And I know I'm going to feel this in a couple of years. I'm a night owl. I can stay up and watch all of these games. And it's of no issue to me whatsoever. So the Rangers play Vancouver tonight as we record this. Uh, then they play Edmonton on Friday, if I'm correct. And then I think they go to Calgary on Saturday, which will essentially be World War III if you pay attention to anything of the Rangers the last couple of weeks. But speaking of the Rangers, and we did have a space the day that it happened but now that we are able to record a formal podcast you know and he's played two games already for the new york rangers let's dive right into it dave shall we and let's talk about our wonderful russian winger that the rangers have acquired vladimir tarasenko friend of artemi panarin traded from the st louis blues to the new york rangers in exchange for a couple of picks nico mikola yeah, so it's Tarasenko and Mikola to the Rangers for Sammy Blay, a couple of picks, <laughs> and a bunch of hullabaloo. So I'll I'll basically ask you this question, you know. So he's he's on the team. He's played his first two games. He's looked pretty good so far. Dave, give me your thoughts about how Tarasenko has looked in the times that you've seen him play so far and his impact going forward, especially with, you know, his friend Artemi Panarin. So I'm going to preface this with I did not watch the Carolina game. I had some friends over that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, Then I got a little bit fuzzy. So, (laughs) and I also know that I tried to put it on initially and MSG2 just looked like a giant scrambled screen. 
for those old enough to remember the illegal cable boxes when you were like oh, yes. 10 years old, it was like watching, trying to watch porn on the illegal cable box. It was like <laughs> scrambled everywhere and I couldn't see shit. So I gave up and I had a couple more glasses of scotch instead. Um, but the first game, it's not even about Tarasenko who is a legitimate top line winger. I didn't think the Rangers would get him. So I didn't try to hype myself up that they'd get him. He's, he's a known entity. You know what he's getting. It's not just him. It's the impact on the lineup. Because now you have a top nine that doesn't include Barkley Goodrow. And a top nine where they're not trying to shoehorn Jimmy Vesey into a role where Capococco should be. And a top nine that they can keep the kid line together and not sacrifice scoring elsewhere in the lineup. So now they have three legitimate scoring lines. It doesn't really matter what those top six look like if we're using the kids as the third line. That top six, you can really rotate anybody in and out, even Jimmy Vesey. And I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. (laughs) And they are a dangerous, dangerous team. There are very few teams that can compete with this depth. And I love it. It's great. And... To add to your point, and you know, I was at Madison Square Garden for the for his debut and when he scored his first goal. And the one thing I noticed, at least with the balance of the lines, and although it did change in the Carolina game while you were feeling fuzzy, the one thing I know <laughs> the, the, the one thing I noticed, at least with Tarasenko being out there with Panarin, and maybe you know, Rob, Luker, or whomever can maybe prove me wrong, but this is just from the eye test. It seems as if they seem a bit more engaged, like it kind of lit a fire under them a little bit, you know, that, that, you know, right. You know, just watching them go with such speed and just such tenacity has, uh, was something that uh, we, we really saw from this team going down the stretch last season. Funny enough, after they traded for uh, cop Vetrano and Mott, Um, the one thing I'll say about Tarasenko in game one is that, he was all over the ice, put himself in, you know, wonderful positions to score. Obviously, we saw the first goal that went in. You know, he found himself through the seam. Panarin faked out uh, the defender. Uh, it was, I think it was Vince Dunn who was looking for Zibanejad for the one-timer, and, and Tarasenko slipped through. But the whole night, you could see that they were actually cycling the puck, creating chances, generating offense. And it really ignited a lot of the other lines because then Trocek and his line with Kreider that day looked phenomenal. Trocek was taking it to the net, shooting as much as you can. I mean, this is probably the best we've seen Vinny Trocek as a New York Ranger. And then obviously the kid line who, you know, they're growing more and more and more as the day goes along. Um, they just seem to play with this renewed vigor. And obviously that's not only just because of Tarasenko, um, but you know, they just, it's kind of seems like it's coming together. And like you said, to your point, it's allowing the kid line to stay together and basically without interruption and giving them that freedom to just go out and do whatever the heck they want. So since being that you didn't see the second game, (laughs) you were feeling kind of fuzzy. Um, So as everyone knows, and this will perfectly lead into the second topic of uh, our podcast today. um, So midway through the game, probably about in the second period, uh, Gerard Gallant, the ire of everyone here, um, switched Artemi Panarin with Chris Kreider on the first and second line. So the line became Kreider, Zibanejad, Tarasenko, and then the second line was Panarin, Trocek, and Vesey. And right away, on the snap of a finger, right before the second period ended, Panarin rifled one home. And it just kind of seemed like everything clicked. Joe Micheletti was alluding to it in the broadcast. The coaching change, the coaching change, the coaching change. Oh, they did the hard sell. Yeah, they did. But that was after that was after Panarin got his third or his fourth, if I'm correct. So that being said, moving on to our next topic, Artemi Panarin came out of his shell, kind of, sort of, and broke out and scored four goals. On uh, Monday night, no Saturday. Sorry, I'm a little that fuzzy. Was Saturday, myself. yeah, it was Saturday. I'm not drunk. At I'm least I tired. have a reason. <laughs> so, hey, I work. I know everybody does. But well, anyway. You make it what? what? <laughs> this is a hobby, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Anyways, I'm not gonna get. Into, I'm not gonna get into a fight with you right now, David. But <laughs> what? Um, 
<laughs> so, anyways, going on to our um, and going since you didn't see it, I'll direct this question to you uh, in a different way so that you can uh, not be, you know, speaking about your fuzziness. So, like I said, Artemi Panarin scored four goals against the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday, arguably his best game of the season. I think his best game as a New York Ranger, to be truthfully told, outside of the. Game seven uh, overtime winner against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which I was there for, and it was insane. Um, he looked like a man on a mission that night. Every time he was around the puck, he he felt like he was going to put it in the back of the net. And you began to feel that once that second goal went in, when it looked like Trocek shot it, but in reality, Panarin shot it. But like I said, since that change, he was a man on a mission, and... I'll direct this to you, Dave. Speaking now that he's got a bit more jump in his step and he's got his best friend on the team, basically, you know, we saw all the pictures on Twitter, you know, it's basically a bromance at this point. Um, a reinvigorated Artemi Panarin for this roster. As you mentioned before, what kind of significant impact will it have on this team? And do you think that because he's feeling this reinvigorated sort of attitude now after scoring four goals and having his best friend on the team and, and looking a lot better lately. Do you think that this will translate into the playoffs? Cause that was one of his biggest criticisms was that he just didn't really turn it on during the playoffs. So I direct this to you, Dave, do you think that this reinvigorated Panarin goes into the playoffs? And if so, do you think it could potentially maybe kind of sort of give this team a Stanley cup? All right, so a couple of things there. Guys don't take playoff games off. The reason why it may look like a player is taking days off is because they're not finding open ice to do what we expect them to do. And Panarin, aside from his Game 7 OT winner against Pittsburgh, he was getting tougher matchups. And... It's the same thing we go back to with Anthony Sorelli on the Zibanejad line against Tampa. And then you have the, I think it was Braden Point line matching up against Panarin in that series. And that line yes. not only scores, but controls possession. Right. Panarin's line has, at least with the Rangers, have historically been not so much one and done, but... They go for high percentage shots, which against a team or against a line like the point line that can play defense and then play keep away in the offensive zone, you're getting one pass, it's getting picked off, and you're spending the rest of the time in your defensive zone. So I don't necessarily buy into the taking or for into the didn't show up for the playoffs narrative. I will buy that for the regular season where we know these veterans kind of take games or periods or shifts here and there just to preserve energy and make sure they're into the playoffs hot. Um, that was a very long-winded way of saying, I think he's fine for the playoffs. I don't think we should take the two games that we're seeing with Tarasenko back. You know, Panarasenko, if we're going to name another bromance on this team, <laughs> I happen to like Panarasenko. That's pretty cool. Um, Definitely gives him a jump, but I don't think it's going to take anything away from what the Rangers can do in the playoffs, which I said at the beginning of the year, they can win a Stanley Cup, and I actually have money on them winning a Stanley Cup. Oh. I mean, it, it's $5. <laughs> I'm betting within my means, people. <laughs> well, you bet $5. I have a day well, job. Well, I got the site. You know, I, <laughs> I got, you know, I'm doing the podcast. I bet like five bucks on some of this shit. All right. I'm not but what's sitting the, here. What's the payout if they do win? Oh, Christ. You're going to make this shit up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would I assume I would assume it's at least more than more than a hundred dollars. Because if you bet it at the beginning of the season, I would assume that it's probably. <laughs> you My know, bets it's... open. I got to scroll to the bottom. All right. Rangers, five dollars to win one hundred and five. Okay, so that's so you heard it here first. So if the New York Rangers win the Stanley Cup, Dave is going to get money. So go to his house, torch his lawn. No, I'm kidding. Don't. Do oh, that. whoa, whoa, whoa! First <laughs> off, there are a lot of crazy fucking people out there that don't like no, me on Twitter, and they would. No, do that. 
Okay, don't do that. Dave is a very nice guy. Don't do that. I was just making a joke. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, I I do. I, I'm sorry. I feel like I feel like I'm never going to be able to host this again for being such a loon. I'm sorry. But um, dude, if you really want like one of those uh, realities, <laughs> reality of what social media is, just go through my mentions. Oh, I've seen it. So I and I've had it happen to me a couple of times. I. Uh, and I'll recant with this quick story now that you mentioned that. I, I had written an article for a previous place I've written for, and um, it was about Ilya Kovalchuk becoming a New York Ranger. Oh and my God. yeah, I know. I like he was my favorite player. So and I was I'm hoping <laughs> and you know, I was hoping that he could come back in like a third, fourth line role. Let me tell you, I didn't get a lot of nice comments. People were actually going after me. I didn't I didn't think that was very fun. But um but it it just to just to kind of follow up on what you said, um, my my guess with Panarin at least in the playoffs last year, when I say not showing up, is more or less I thought he was injured, so to speak. It just kind of seemed like he was very off, which is why I was able, which is why I I, I asked that question that way. I, it it kind of felt like he was compensating for something that he had gotten uh, hurt with previously, because towards the end of the season. Him and Ryan Lindgren, I was at this game. It was against Winnipeg. They both exited the game, and, and I think Panarin, uh, Lindgren was, I think, his either lower back or Panarin was his lower back, and Lindgren was his lower body. And then the next day, I think they rested everyone, if I'm correct. And that was that game against Montreal where, like, Ryan Reeves scored from, like, the low slot, you know? All right, so, I remember that. <laughs> so, you know, but I, you know, but like you said, we, we, we hope that this invigorated Panarin can, you know, <clears throat> continue to pull this up and 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 push it through the playoffs. Now, uh, transitioning into another Russian, because we seem to have a plenty of those on this team. So let's go to um, one of our younger players in Vitaly Kratsov. It's it's clearly known that he has requested a trade off the team. Reports are starting to surface more now that it again. seems like he, again that he wants out. And this is his second by the way. Yes, his second, his first, I think, was in October 21, right before yep. he left to Russia, if I'm correct. So now you're in kind of a bit of a, kind of like a minor predicament here. Kratsov, immensely skilled, has some issues in terms of holding on to the puck, but it seems as if either, and correct me if I'm wrong, the organization isn't preaching the same patience with him as they were or as they currently are with guys like Kako, Lafreniere, and Heedle. Um, it also seems that he is at odds with, you know, Coach Gallant. And it, you know, ideally, right now, you would want him playing alongside uh, Panarin and Trocek because, you know, high skilled top nine upside winger. You put him with a guy like Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek, you would think that it would work. And, when they experimented with that at the beginning of the season, it was arguably their second best line at the time. But for some reason, our arrogant coach does not want to do that. So Dave, now that Kratzhoff has axed out twice and he essentially doesn't feel like he's fitting in. Do you think they trade him now at the deadline or do they even trade him at all? Ooh, all right. So I'm not going to, go on my usual rant about Kravtsov, Drury, and all that shit. It is what it is. Uh, it could be just a simple matter of bad timing for Kravtsov and the Rangers rebuild. You know, it could. It, it is what it is. I don't... Kevin Weeks tweeted that the Rangers can get a third-round pick or a prospect-like swap. If Drury takes a third-round pick... He's going to get crucified. And I don't think Drury's going to take a first-round pick. I don't buy that piece. But a prospect-for-prospect prospect swap is something I can see happening. And that was actually the subject of the Patreon post I wrote this morning about that. And just going through where he might land. You know, I think it was um, Vince Mercogliano who said something about um, Nils Hoglander, Hoglander sorry, mm. in... Uh, Vancouver, that's a decent idea. Um, Nick Robertson in Toronto has come up a couple of times. 
Um, the LA Kings have 19,000 centers and nobody knows what they're <laughs> going to do with them. Of all of them, I think Rasmus Kupari is the one that fits the swap criteria the best in terms of contract situation, roster situation, and waiver situation. So the, uh, that's the kind of deal that I think Drury would be looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that happens at the trade deadline. And neither does a third-round pick. Drury's not going to force a trade. Right. He'll wait for the draft, see if somebody dangles an early second or a late first, or somebody falls to them that they really are high on, like Will Cooley and the Leas Anderson trade, things like that. So it's there's no rush. He will be traded. There's no rush to do it. We all knew Niels, Lund- Niels Lundqvist was going to be traded, and that happened, what, a month before the season started almost and instantaneously wait- when the report came out too. Yeah. But that trade request came in like November, right? That the trade request itself was made in November. It just didn't become public until about two weeks before it happened, probably because Drury and Dallas were probably getting close to something there. Right now. How, how much do you think this whole situation is Rangers management and oh, Christ, you're gonna make me answer this. <laughs> well, well, hold on, well, hold on. No, if, I want to know how much you think is on Rangers management, how much is on Kravsov, how much is on Gallant, because well, my, my my opinion is well fucking known at this point. Well, I I think it's a I think it's fifty fifty. If you want to really know my honest opinion, because I it, it's hmm, got to find a way to put this without sounding stupid. Now that's hard for me. Um. <laughs> um Jesus. So, so I'm I'm all for accountability, right? I'm all for accountability. I'm all for you know you have to earn your dues, not like the typical like boomer way that you see online. It's like, all right, you have to earn this to get like you know two oh, pennies. Shit. Um, right. Uh, but I feel as if you know he 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 kind of put himself in the situation, but the team also was not doing him any favors. Because if he had just, at least the first time around, had just stayed in Hartford, that first that first instance, if he had mm-hmm. just stayed in Hartford and waited a month, he would have already have been back with the team. And that's what everyone was saying at the time, because they needed scoring depth, but he decided to bolt over to Russia. So now, apparently, uh, after that, both sides mended. You know, they mended, and they were able to kind of go with each other but now i don't think it's more drury than it is the coach because drury has shown me at least in the instances of getting something done that he's willing to put what he needs to put out there for the team to do well obviously you know with trading sammy blay and waving libor hayek for goodness sake like that was insane but i think it's it's this is more an indictment on gallant than anything and i think there's a disconnect between the gm and the coach because Kratzov is here. He was able to trade Nils Lundqvist. He was able to trade Sammy Blay. I think if he really wanted to, he would have already had sent Kratzov somewhere. So I think what he's trying to do, and I know you know, you have your feelings about Drury and how he thinks of certain types of players, but I personally think that if he really wanted him gone, gone, like officially gone, he would have done it already. I think what it is is, Kratsov hasn't worked on the certain part of his game that really needs to make him better, which is holding on to the puck. But in the same token, Gallant is kind of overblowing it and not giving him the reps that he needs to get into the game. So it's more 50-50 kind of in my opinion. And it's kind of souring a little bit. And if, you know, if he ends up getting traded, because I'm holding out hope that he doesn't get traded, I would at least hope they got or they would get. I think the idea of bringing back, uh, bringing over Nils Hoglander is phenomenal because I, I think I wanted him in the draft initially, went to Vancouver, but I think Nils Hoglander would serve this team very well, at least on a secondary scoring role. But it's a shame because I was really hoping Vitaly Kratsov would stay, and I really hope he does stay, and they really mend the fences, you know, with, with all of this. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, 
the reason why I'm not really touching on that first AHL assignment is there's he's a he was a 19 year old kid in the middle of a pandemic era, and his paycheck basically just went from 800,000 to 70,000. There's a lot to unpack there as a 19 year old, and another problem the Rangers have, and I'm sure we've all seen this. Over the past decade or not decade, it's 2023. So I'll say for the last six to seven years, Hartford has been a disaster zone. Yes, that I can agree. It is a toxic place to be for for starters. And if anybody's from Hartford, I apologize. I've been there a lot of times for work. (laughs) It's not a fun city. I'm sorry. And this is coming from somebody who went to Binghamton for college, undergrad and grad. Binghamton's not a fun city. Well, actually, I had a lot of fun in Binghamton, but it's not really a fun city when you hit a certain age. Um, <laughs> Hartford just doesn't have personally what I like in a city, and I'm sure a lot of people like it, but Kravtsov, he's not in New York. He's not making 800000 He's making 80000 He missed out on the NHL because the Rangers didn't want to wave Libor Hayek. And yeah, all that... And now you're in a pandemic era where not everything is open at that time. Right. So it's hard to fault a 19-year-old who also doesn't speak English. That's fair. To say, hey, I'm going to spend the time in Hartford. And I'm trying to think of the time. I don't think there was anybody from Russia on Hartford at the time. I don't think so, no. If, if I'm if I'm so, remembering correctly, I don't think there was any Russians down there. There's yeah. a lot of European guys, but not like Russian Russian guys. So that plays into it, and I can't blame him for going home. Did he handle it poorly? Absolutely. Did Drury handle it poorly by handle it poorly by reaming him out in front of the entire team for going home? Absolutely, hundred percent. However, Drury ha- has grown into the position. You know, he really started rough with the Bushnevich trade and then Kravtsov jettisoning, running to Russia, which leads you to believe there might be an anti-Russian bias there. And there's a lot of evidence in those first four months to say that, which is why I have been thinking it and not necessarily putting it out there, but alluding to it. I don't necessarily think that's true. I just think Tutin... Now, with hindsight, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think those two moves were just poorly timed and led, and I'm not the only one that thought this way, led people to believe that may be something, there may be something there, and then you hear about the Panarin and Drury argument or whatever at the end of the last season, and you're wondering, okay, what the hell is going on here? So just put some clarity behind that. Right. Um, And I I think so. Um, and and not not to interrupt, I just wanted to get this off my head before I forget. Um, I do I do agree with a lot of your points because I mean I've been around Hartford and uh, it's not fun. It's no offense to anyone that lives there or likes the city. Um, the Rangers, I don't know if it's the Rangers themselves or you know the people who operate the Wolf Pack per se, but it just kind of seems like the operation is kind of ten years behind in the sense of you know how they foster their young because they come to the Rangers and it's world class. You know they get treated and you know they get treated like royalty, and I can totally understand why a nineteen-year-old kid, like you said, his paycheck goes from eight hundred k to seventy thousand, and then you have to go from world-class treatment to basically Hartford, Connecticut. So, um, but just to just to kind of add though, now before you make your point, I, I just hope that now cooler heads have prevailed, and <clears throat> excuse me, they can. Just kind of mend it. I think I personally think he has a spot here. I don't see why he doesn't have a spot here. They need cheap production, and he will be under a million dollars next year. He will have to be on the team because they can't. He will get claved on the waivers, unlike Lieber oh, Hayek, who spent 100%. four years thinking he was never going. Whatever. Um, he <laughs> Kravtsov. The Rangers need cheap scoring next year. They have way too much money that is due to Heedle and his ridiculous binge to Keandre Miller and his very quiet career highs in scoring already with 30 games left. 
Mm-hmm. Now they got a lot of money to commit to these guys. You got Lafreniere, who's probably going to get bridged, but now his dollar amount's going up because he's scoring again. Mm-hmm. They need somebody like Kravtsov, under a million, thirty point potential in his quote unquote rookie in his first real season. But they need to have a set plan for him. And his biggest thing is he gets knocked off the puck. That's strength. That's strength training. Mm-hmm. I did CrossFit for three months, and I the amount of weight that I was able to lift, I think when I started, I was squatting like 135. And within three months, so a summer, I, I was squatting 225 regularly. And I'm not a professional athlete, people. That's that's a nice humble brag right there for you. It's just a matter of going there all the time because I couldn't get my ex-girlfriend to move the fuck out, but that's a whole separate story. <laughs> well, whole well, separate. well, I had well to evict said. her. Well, go, I had to evict her. Um, well Long-ass story about that <laughs> shit that I really don't want to – it came up. So that's why I was there all the time. But right. Kravtsov's a professional athlete, They're, and they have professional hockey strength trainers – Mm-hmm. that can go through and work with him on hockey strength, building that foundation, building the core and the leg strength to be a Marty St. Louis on the puck. Have you mm-hmm. seen the size of Marty St. Louis legs? They're, they're tree stumps. It's absurd. <laughs> and it doesn't take long for a kid who's 22, 23 years old to spend what? Half of June, July, August, September, what is that, four, three and a half months? Right. Yeah, he could build a lot of strength over right. three and a half months. Heck, he could even back. start right now. Yeah. You know? So. If he's not going to play, and it, it, he's not going to play be, unless there's an injury, because hopefully Gallant actually sticks to his roles that he wants his lines to play. And Kravtsov isn't replacing anybody in the top nine. And now you look at the fourth line, which is a defense first line. If he's getting knocked off the puck, even with his great defensive metrics, which he does have, yes, the playoffs are a different beast. It is okay to say he's not ready to be a key contributor in the roles available on the Rangers this year. That is a perfectly acceptable thing to say. Mm-hmm. Can the Did the Rangers also mismanage him? Absolutely. Is it also right. on Kravtsov for having a bit of an attitude issue? Yes, absolutely. There's not one person at fault. It can be mended. It's just a matter of does player want to, does GM want to. And one last thing on Hartford, Ryan Martin is the current general manager of Hartford. Drury was before him. You know, the assistant general manager is usually the general manager of Hartford. Mm -hmm. He does not come with a stellar reputation here. So I reached out to some friends that I know that work with the Red Wings, and it says a lot that Eiserman got there and immediately Ryan Martin was gone. That says a lot because Eiserman's a great general manager. He knows. Mm -hmm. And it says a lot that the people that I spoke to were thrilled that Ryan Martin was gone. (laughs) Thrilled. Well, well, Having we never met the man, I don't mean that personally. I am just going off of what they just say. professionally, right. Professionally, and we see what Hartford is. It's a train wreck. They haven't been good forever. It's a terrible atmosphere to develop anybody. They don't treat their players right. There's a toxic leadership there. How would you expect a 22-year-old to thrive there? That's why. That's part of the main reason why once players go to Hartford, the careers die. When was the last time the Rangers sent anybody to Hartford, spent a significant amount of time there, and came up and was a key contributor? What, Chris Kreider? Jeez, that's actually a good question. (laughs) I'm actually trying to think about it now. I can't really recall too much. Um, Like, I mean, let's look at Braden. People are going to say Braden Schneider. He spent two months there. Back the fuck off. Well, Braden Schneider could have. He spent two months in Hartford. He he could have made the leap here out of camp, but but anyways, he, he played twenty four um, games in Hartford. That shit doesn't count. But he would, like I said, he would have made the leap here regardless because he was just that good. Yeah. But he did have he did have some shortcomings here, but that's beside the point. But you know, we'll move on to our next topic. But just to summarize, I guess you know we just hope that ideally they can resolve the situation and kind of make kind of like 
get him to a point where he can be a steady contributor on this team because if there's nothing that stings more as a player that you have sitting around doing absolutely nothing or you underutilize and then goes to another organization and does absolutely well. The New York Mets in the baseball world used to be very big proponents of that. So I don't want it to see it happen to my hockey team, and I don't think it has happened much lately. Let's kind of keep that trend low. Now, moving on to the next topic, um, the New York Rangers on T- on uh, TSN's power rankings, they were at six last week. They have jumped all the way to number one, topping the Boston Bruins and the New Jersey Devils. To be fair, they have played phenomenal hockey over the last two months. Number one, do you think that's a bit much? Or does the play that's been reflected on the ice show that they deserve to be the number one sp- uh, spot on the TSN power rankings? Oh, oh, boy. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So I am a million percent biased here. Of course. Aren't we all? But I want to tie this into the Kravtsov thing. Rangers are really, really good, and they're doing it without Kravtsov, and now they have a much more well-balanced lineup with Tarasenko. So they were winning. Now they have Tarasenko. Now they have depth because they have, at the very least, one guy that can fill in in the top nine in Kravtsov if somebody goes down with an injury. They have at least two guys that can fill in in a middle six role in, again, Kravtsov over Julian Gauthier. You got Johnny Brodzinski, who really should be playing over Jake Decision. I they agree. Have, they have high-end talent. They have elite goaltending. They have a power play that has been – that people are sleeping on because of their conversion rate right now. <sighs> Do I think they are the best team in the league? I think they are the team that has the highest ceiling. And they're starting to hit that ceiling. Now they have two legitimate power plays. Everything about that even strength line. They have a sixth defenseman, which we're not really talking about much, and Mikola, who is far better than Ben Harper. Oh, miles better. I was going to touch on that shortly, too. So average goal. The, the, so all this comes from sports logic. And you know they don't have the best season-long numbers, which is fair. But they probably, and and this is me just firing off off the cuff here. I don't know if this is accurate. They probably have some of the better recent trends. I know we need Luker to really pull together another trends post. Right. But, you know, they've won five in a row, all for the most part, mostly against good teams. They, their losses look better. They may not be a true top team in the NHL yet, but they are trending that way, and I am not disagreeing with TSN here. Hmm. Interesting to note. I, You know, the thing about these power rankings to me personally is I always think that they're kind of uh, fluid, if that makes any sense, or they just kind of – they're very volatile in the sense that they're always changing. I mean – uh, on like you know you look at power rankings in baseball you know some of them make sense some of them don't you know i think the mets were in first place for so long and they were always ranked like three or four and the teams that were above them they were under them i never understood why so whenever i look at power rankings i'm always a little skeptical but just going off of the things that you said and just watching the team and, you know, the, the notes that you make about having the depth and having, you know, the this high ceiling that they are currently trying to reach right now. It You're right. It's really not a far, uh, a far shot for them to be number one on this list. Um, like you said, obvious bias here, of course, but the Bruins have been slipping a little bit. They're close to. 10 losses which is weird to say at this point of the season and the new jersey devils obviously came down to earth they're still a very good team in their own right um but i i always get skeptical or weary or i can't find the right word for it i'm i always get a bit tentative when i see my team at number one because i'm always expecting the big downfall afterwards i hope that's not the case but like you mentioned um you mentioned the power play conversion. I think that's the big catalyst here. 
is the power play is beginning to click. Even before they acquired Tarasenko, they started converting more on the power play. So the numbers may not be so good overall, or they may not be as good as they should be overall. But as of late, they seem to have converted more and more on their power play chances. And I think what that is contributed to is they're beginning to circle uh, Panarin and Zibanejad in the corners, and they're getting it to Kreider more in front of the net. And that was the one thing that they were either not being able to do or they just didn't do it. Now it also helps that they put Trocek on the second power play unit and you have yourself a lefty shot on the bumper, so that gives you another power play chance. But everyone said it. I think Luker even said it in the chat, but I think it was also just a, a notion that we all kind of knew once this power play began to click, this team was going to skyrocket. And once that began to happen, you know, ironically enough, after the the helmet toss, you know, uh, it, it's landed them here. And I, I, I actually do agree with this, this ranking. I just, I just don't think that they're going to be up there for long. Cause I think Boston will take that spot back, but I think they'll settle around number two, but number one, and I think it's a pretty fair ranking at this point. Yeah. These rankings are on a week by week thing. So yeah, the Rangers went four and oh, they traded for Tarasenko. They traded for Mikola. They shored up a lot of the holes on their roster. Yeah, this week, yeah, I could put them in number one easily. Will they continue to have it? Well, they got three very winnable games out West Mm -hmm. and then another day before they come back and they got more winnable games coming up. So they could put a nice little run here. And what I find to be absolutely amazing is if you look at the standings, the Rangers in their last 10 are like seven, two and one. Yeah, they're seven, two and one and they've won five in a row. Over the last 10 games, they lost ground. They lost one point to the (laughs) Devils, and they lost two to the the Canes because the Canes went 8-1-1, and the Devils went 7-1-2. Like, if the Rangers (laughs) were in any other division, a 7-2-1 record over 10 with five in a row, seven-game win streaks, they they should be much higher than third in the division. But they just play in this – they play in the East. They play in the stupid fucking division. Where <laughs> they win seven in a row, they gain they gain like three points in the standings. Then they go seven two and one later, and they lose ground in the standings. You got to be shit. unreal, unreal. On the bright side, the Islanders are four four and two. Over <laughs> That's the, always over something that you want to see. Stretch, which it's great. I love seeing this. <laughs> That's always something you want to see. And speaking of the Islanders, before we go on to our questions, I'm going to take a look at where they're at in the the they're 17th. In this, uh, st- in these uh, power rankings, uh, so and they that's were 20- with the Bo Horvat trade. Yes, exactly. So you know what? You always like to see your enemies fail. So hopefully they can continue this production and they can continue to ride this hot streak and maybe stay at the top spot of these power rankings that come out with these statistically somewhat flawed numbers that they get. But hey, it's nice to see we're biased. Anyways, now moving on to the. Another fun part of the show. This is usually the part of the show I would come into, but we are going to do questions. Sorry, the horn cut you off there, Dave. I was, I forgot you were going to do the horn and you reminded me. So again, the baby brain thing, (laughs) which it doesn't just affect the pregnant one. All right. It affects everybody. And what I was going to say was, I love this part, and I, I love the questions part, and then the goal horn scared the crap out of me. <laughs> well, Grandpa, don't worry about it. Now you know what's coming. Uh, you know so. what? <laughs> Anyways, before Dave rips me a new one, let's start with the uh, questions. I, I'm going to send the cops to your house. That's, oh, that's please. a true boomer thing to do, isn't it? Listen, I'm friends with all the cops here, so he nice parked in front of my. <laughs> he parked on my lawn. He should annoying me with his noise. Anyways, all right. So, so I don't know what I'm doing here, but anyways. So let's begin with our questions. We have a pretty decent amount of them here. Uh, the first question comes from again. I always say one of my favorite follows on Twitter, uh, Mr. John Cougar Colleen Camp at Bill Suspill. He asks past Cooley and hopefully Jones. Are there any prospects playing in Hartford? that seem to have a future here. Well, that's interesting. We just touched on that. So playing in Hartford is the key there. And my answer is no. Really? 
You don't think anyone on that roster can potentially make this NHL team? No. So, okay, so Johnny Brodzinski aside, because it feels like he's going to be up and down for a while. If the Rangers really wanted Gustav Riedel to be with the team, he'd be here. He's also an unrestricted free agent, having spent the entire season in Hartford. I can't imagine him re-signing. Lori Payuniemi is a one-trick pony. He has not rounded out his game. Carl Henriksen maybe is a sleeper here. And he's got that whole Swedish thing going for him, maybe as a 4C. Bobby mm-hmm. Trevino is not somebody I think is going to have an NHL impact. Remember, undrafted free agents very rarely actually make it to the big show, but maybe I could. I hope I'm wrong there. Um, who else is actually playing in Hartford? Well, you have uh, Ryan Carpenter. Uh, he's also down there. Yeah, I'm ignoring that. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed a player. I missed a player. This is on me. Matthew Robertson will most likely be the 6D and Braden Schneider's partner next year. I forgot about Matthew Robertson. That is my bad. I'm going to say him and only him. What about uh, Dylan Garand in net? You think he'll have an opportunity here once Halak leaves? Because you know they're not going to bring Halak back. So do you wouldn't think that they would give Garand the shot for the backup role behind Igor? Maybe, but he's not going to be long for the Rangers. Let's say he starts putting up numbers and he shows that he can be the backup, which reminder, he's a sub 900 goalie right now. Hartford, again, oh. is a piece of shit team right now. So take that with a grain of salt. Garand, assuming he hits his ceiling, he is going to be traded. He'll be trade bait. They're not going to get rid of Shesterkin. I'm sorry. So wow. in terms so- of NHL careers, Garand most likely will land somewhere. Uh, Jones is going to be trade bait. He'll land somewhere. That's about it. Matthew Robertson will be a Ranger next year is my prediction. And the rest of these guys that you see on the cap friendly page, you know, Othman is in the OHL. Sikora is overseas. Ryder Korksak, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, is playing an overage season so in the WHL, so his numbers were inflated. Um, if he couldn't even make this crappy-ass team, then I don't know what to say. People oh, will flock at- to Matthew Rempe because he's enormous, um, but that's all he is. He's enormous. Yeah, he's six foot eight. My gosh, 240. Yeah. Goodness gracious, that is a yeah, big he- boy. <laughs> so that was also aside from Cooley, who I believe will be on the Rangers next year. Okay. Jones won't be. Robertson will be. That's it. Well, I'm looking at the rest of that roster. I kind of agree with you, but I mean, all right. <laughs> I think the highest scoring. <laughs> I think the highest scorer on that team is like Turner Elson or something like that. I think he's the highest scorer on the team, and that says and all he, you need to he, know about the Hartford Wolfpack. And he's older than me, so I don't think he's getting any Elson. NHL time there. So I mean, hold on, hold on. How old is this guy? He's 30. Oh God, you're fucking. Young. <laughs> well, I turned thirty this year. Funny enough, but he's he he's already thirty. Yeah, just a so. warning. And anybody over thirty listening to this who's going to shake their head and nod, <laughs> oh, not shake their, they're going to nod and go, yeah, just be be forewarned. Thirty <laughs> is when the two day hangover starts. Oh, great! I know I'm going to hear it from Rob when he listens to this again. Rob, I'm sorry. Please, warning. <laughs> All right, Nothing like. Drinking, waking up the next day, being like, okay, I, I drank a little bit much, too much. And then waking up on a Monday and being like, what the hell? I didn't even drink. Why am I still hungover and groggy with a headache? And you're like, oh, that's the two-day hangover. All right. Now that we move on from our segment of Old Man Yells at Cloud, next question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't mean it. It's all out of love. Um. Our next question comes from our buddy, Will Wright, Wright 88 He asks us, what is the final piece you want to see added to the roster? Which player do you have in mind? And what are you comfortable giving up to get them? All right. So obviously the Rangers need a 4C. I personally think... Brodzinski would be fine there, but they're obviously going to be trading for somebody. So I am going to go with what Suit wrote about this afternoon. So this is being recorded Wednesday evening. Suit's post published about nine hours ago at this point. And I'm going to butcher this poor guy's name. Noel 
uh, Asieri. No, Achari. Achari. Good Lord. <laughs> it's that, very that's plausible. the Long Island in me in yeah. literally pronouncing each letter. So you usually how the Tannies would say it is no Achari. So it's no Achari. Right, yeah. So him. Um, he's not going to cost much mid-round pick. Expiring contract. Rangers can probably get him sooner rather than later if they're able to get St. Louis again to retain 50%. That's the guy I want. I can't see the Rangers trading with them again, but might be okay with Nick Bugestad. Again, defense first forwards, defense first centers that win 50% of their faceoffs. Somebody to replace Jake Lecision. That's what they need. Right. You basically took the choice I was going to say was Nick Bugstad or Nick Benino would be a decent option, I think, as well. Um, you know, that's I, a good point. Benino is what, Canucks? I, I think so, if I'm correct. Let me just, I just want to check his contract, which is going to be the limiting factor. Benino is not there. San Jose. Benino is, he's on San Jose. Apparently. <laughs> He's bounced. Yeah, he's he's on the Sharks. He's bounced around so many different times. I tend to forget. Uh, Benino, two point oh five million. The Rangers need to send a body off the roster, even at fifty percent. So then, more than likely, it'd probably be like an Achari, and then like some retained, probably. Yeah, I'm looking. So the Rangers at the deadline now will have. Actually, I'm sorry. I am wrong. The Rangers at the deadline will have 1.6 million. They can afford Nick Benino at 50%. Okay. I know there's some people that are kind of wishful thinking that if they can get a third team involved, they somehow manage to trade for Patrick Kane. The math is doable. <laughs> it, it, I know it is. I know it is. That That's why I'm not totally laughing it off. Because if you really think about it, if you really, really, really think about it, if they, you know, obviously it would be a pure rental in this case if they were to ever actually do that. And I feel as if with Patrick Kane, not that I want it. Let me just say that. I don't want Patrick Kane here. But if they were able to get him somehow and they actually shoehorned him in the second line with Panarin, I legitimately think that even if he's got a bum hip, I think they, they can actually go far. Not that they can't go far in the playoffs now, but... Uh, I think it's it's definitely doable, but it's definitely if if anything were to happen, it would definitely happen the day yeah. of. But um, anyways, let's I get mean, to these questions. That, that's you know. doable just for the math people here. Yeah, right. Let's assume Kravtsov is the guy in that deal. Kravtsov, you would have to think so. Kravtsov yeah. and a second round pick with that second rounder going to Arizona. Mm-hmm. To money launder, basically. Kane is not fetching much <laughs> in a trade. No. I hope people are aware of this. He's not getting much. No. And I honestly, if he doesn't get traded to the Rangers, I don't think he's getting traded at all, honestly, because I don't think anyone's really... I mean, you could say Carolina. I don't think the Devils would do that. Um, that's kind of out of their out of their realm because they would ideally want to keep the person that they bring in to stick with like a Hughes and they're not, you know, although they're doing very well and obviously things are, you know, fluid and anything can happen. I don't think that they're the right team to take on that sort of contract for a pure rental to give up assets. If they do, they are incredibly stupid. And you know what, if that's the case, go ahead and do it. <laughs> Ruin your future yeah, for, I'm okay for with us. the devil's doing that. I'm definitely right. okay with it. So moving on to the next question. Uh, after pontificating about Patrick Kane, I didn't think I was going to do that. Uh, our friend, Mr. Tyler McGillick asks us, and this one will definitely be brief. FMK, Galant, Quinn, Vigno. <laughs> I can't I'm even gonna, believe he, he actually asked I, that. I'm taking Becky's route here because Becky's not here and I know what her answer is. So I'm going to be Becky here. Kill them all. <laughs> Fair, I guess you could say that. I I don't I don't know how I would answer this to be true truthful. I I I mean, you know what? I'm just gonna go the cop out. Yeah, kill them all by all means. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Tyler. Kidding. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> our next question comes from uh, another good follow on Twitter. It's uh, Immortal Lou Thirty, Mister. I could have beat up Tony D'Angelo. 
What were your expectations for how far the team can go before and after the Tarasenko Mikola deal if they changed at all? We touched on this a bit earlier, but I figure we could, you know, rehash it here. I mean, I'll be brief. I thought they could win the cup this year before the trade. I think they can win the, I think they have a better shot at winning the cup with the trade. I agree. I second that notion. All right. The next question comes from. Sorry, Lou, uh, for being so short. Yeah. (laughs) We we touched on it so much that we kind of answered your question before answering your question, but we definitely hear you and we see you, Mr. Immortal. Next question comes from Kevin at Spozo211. I'm sorry if I butchered that. This is actually a really good question. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately myself. Who is your unpopular cap casualty over the next few seasons? It's going to get really tight really soon. Oh, boy. So we've or People are going to hate me for this. And I'm not counting Barkley Goodrow as an unpopular cap casualty. I think Goodrow is gone this offseason. But that's not an unpopular one. I am of the belief... That before the 2024-2025 season... Uh, hold on, let me just look at the cap situation here. Mr. Before Dave the 2024-2025 season, I'm going to stick with that. Artemi Panarin will be traded. Really? Huh. Wow. Everyone's going to flock to Truba and yeah, I can see that because the Rangers don't have a great history with keeping their captains around. Artemi Panarin is a large cap hit with very little money due to him by the time the 24-25 season comes around, especially if it's after that $9 million bonus is paid on July 1, 2025, uh, 2024, sorry. So that's two seasons of Panarin for a team that need that needs to get to the cap floor. The eleven point six million is definitely doable, and of that two seasons at eleven point six million with only nine million dollars out the door, real money out the door, hmm. you get twenty three point two million dollars worth of space. Sorry, $23.2 million worth of salary for $8 million, $9 million. He does have a full no move. That complicates things. But the Rangers aren't trading Zibanejad with 900 years left on his deal. I believe <laughs> Kreider will be a career ranger. And I don't think any. I don't think Truba will be the guy that's out, given how the team responds to him and how the team voted him to be captain. I also think that's an that's an easy answer. So I was giving that one to you. Um, hmm. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm just thinking about it. I, I I you know there's there's a couple of guys that I could think of. I, I honestly think the cap casualty that goes away or that gets sent out that's unpopular is the Ryan Lindgren. Honestly, you know, yeah, good call. Because I forgot you, about him. Yeah, if you think about it, you know, he's very similar to, um, the style of Dan Girardi and also Ryan McDonough in some sense, you know, um, his body's going to definitely take a toll. And I think after a bit, the Rangers will definitely find a suitable replacement for him. I think it will be between Truba and Lindgren. I don't, I really don't see them moving Panarin just for the sole fact that, you know, just like the way the team can respond to Truba, the team does respond very well to Panarin in most spots. Uh, I, I think I, I, I just see him sticking around. I can't see them wanting to trade him. I think that would be insanity if they were to do that. So that's just what I'm thinking of. I think it's going to be Ryan Lindgren. It's going to probably be a mix between Barclay Goodrow and Ryan Lindgren. And I hate to say it. I mean, Lindgren does provide a lot, but he's definitely replaceable in that aspect. So I agree with you here. I I forgot about Ryan Lindgren, but I would avoid a long-term deal with him after next season. Right. He's a restricted free agent at 26. Mikey Anderson just got a bag from LA and that's a, somewhat decent comparable to Lindgren in terms of style of play. But 
we saw what happened with Dan Girardi. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened with Mark Stahl. These guys are one injury away from not being able to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I don't. And... It's... No, go ahead. Sorry, um, my wife's work phone just barked. <laughs> so bark, it bark. threw me off. Her... No, her ringtone for her work phone <laughs> is a is a dog, and it threw me off for a second. Um, I forgot about lingering. And he's already got enough parts from the Dan Girardi cyborg part store. So I would avoid that <laughs> as all costs. Yeah, we, we all saw what happened with uh, Stahl and Girardi, like you said. They really did hold this team down. And I, I think it really hampered this team going forward over those couple of years because I think they would have been a, in a lot better shape with, you know, uh, Anton Strawman and uh, a couple of other guys that they could have retained. They might have been able to keep Brad Richards for somewhat more the duration of his deal if they hadn't kept those big contracts so um that's definitely something that uh, i think will definitely happen and i hate to say it because i really do right like ryan lindgren but all right and our final question and this will definitely close out our program and this is actually a really good question that i'm actually trying to ponder right now this comes from anthony caccioli at at caccioli 25 i apologize if i butcher your name and he asks, is this the most talented Rangers roster that they've had since 93-94? I say it's more talented than 93-94. Remember, the 93-94 team sent out a lot of talent for Keenan guys at the trade deadline, and it really sacrificed a lot of cup years. I am of the firm belief that Keenan, even though he won a cup, and yeah, I get it. I was 10 at the time, so I do appreciate what 1940 meant. I do appreciate that. I think Keenan was one of the worst things that happened to the Rangers in the long term. Short term, mm. obviously. Long term, right. advocated for Mike Gartner getting traded, advocated for Tony Amati being traded. Uh, the Doug Waite trade, I think that was before Keenan, actually. It was uh, the year prior, if I'm It was correct. the year prior? Yeah, I okay. think so. Um, okay, but even still, Amati and Gartner, both of them had fantastic careers after they left the Rangers. Gartner a little bit older, obviously. Do the Rangers win a cup with, without those huge deals? I still think they do. I agree. And going back to the original question, pre-deadline 94 Rangers are on par with current Rangers. Post-deadline 94 Rangers are a little more playoff-tested and a little more of a grittier team. Right. But this team the Rangers have is more talented up and down the lineup. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that assessment. Uh, you you look at the, the front-end skill alone, you can make, you can make the comp that, uh, you know, Gartner and them are similar to a lot of the scoring that we have here, but... Uh, the front end, I think it's better here, but like you said, 94's team was playoff tested a little bit more with some of those trades, but which is why, you know, we're both in the belief that this team can actually win the cup, um, because these guys, these guys do have a lot of playoff experience with a lot of skill that see, that was the issue with a lot of those teams after the, uh, 94, 95 season, because they traded a lot of those high end skill guys. I mean, you really, you're really gonna go wrong. You really can't go wrong with a Mike Gartner in the playoffs. The guy scored 700 career goals for goodness sake. He's not a flash in the pan by any means whatsoever. So if they had kept, you know, I mean, obviously if they don't trade for you know those guys, they don't, uh, they don't, you know, have Matteo, 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 and you know a couple of the you know nice moments that they've had so far yeah. uh, in '94. But um, yeah, no, I agree with that assessment. This team is definitely one of the, you know, better than that team skill-wise, but let's just see if they can, you know, hold it over in the playoffs. So, all right. Well, looks like we are done. We just got over the hour and four-minute threshold. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. I apologize if this was a a farce on my part, but thank you, Dave, for helping out. Uh, Rob and Becky will be back next week, as will myself and Dave as well. Anything else you'd like to say before we end our program tonight, Mr. Shapiro? Uh, I just want to say thank you all very much for the support. And 
being an avid listener for however long we've been doing the podcast and being an avid reader of the site for the last 15 years or so. Yeah, thank you. Um, it does not go unnoticed, even though I don't necessarily say thank you all that much. I should say it more often. Again, thank you all. It does mean a lot. And although I am new, we thank you for taking the time out to listen, to read, and to take a gander at what we offer here at Blue Seat Blocks. This has been Live from the Blue Seats. We'll see you next week, and let's go Rangers. Thank you.